Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink from yesterday and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tracy. I'm Tori. And we are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you of believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness. Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time. Turn up the volume and let's go. Hey, housewives, welcome back. Hey, housewives. We are excited to be here yet again on a lovely Tuesday with another beautiful guest here in studio. And we are excited to have you, Kendra. I'm going to let Tori give you a formal introduction. We have Kendra Tan here with us. And Kendra and I met five years ago, I think, when our kiddos were in kindergarten together, right? She's got four kids. Our kids go to the same school. But Kendra has got quite the testimony and story and we're going to bring awareness to a certain situation today and we're just going to get the word out there about something they're very unique to speak about it so without further ado welcome Kendra yeah thanks for having me we are excited so I mean obviously I wish it was on better circumstances but we can't choose the journey that God gives us right unfortunately (laughs) although I think that if we had options sometimes we when we see other people's journeys we're like no, never mind. I wouldn't want that one. Like, I want to see people's in-laws. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want tough in-laws. I don't want tough in-laws. I'm good. So you've got four kiddos. That's correct. And Ben is the oldest. Mm-hmm. At how old? Fourteen. Four- oh, teenagers. You're Only starting boy. to drive, huh? In yeah. Kansas. <laughs> that 14 driving I rule. S- it's weird here. And then you've got Sydney, who is in seventh grade, and she's... 13. 13. Mm -hmm. And then Madeline, who's 10. Correct. Because she's the same age as Emsley. Mm -hmm. And then sweet Olina, who's last, and she's six. Correct. All right. Mm -hmm. So let's start at the beginning. When Sydney was about four years old, you found out something about Sydney's health. What was that? She started having high blood pressure. And at a young age, the doctors are like, this is very abnormal. Maybe she's just had a lot of activity. Have her sit for five minutes and let's take it again. And it was periodically high, periodically fine. So we watched her. And at the time, we were also, we were already at Children's Mercy. She also has a liver condition. Due to this overarching diagnosis that we're going to talk about. And the liver doctor said, hey, her liver, yeah, she's got some abnormalities. Let's watch it. May just watch it for 15, 18, 20 years while she's here at Children's. But by the way, just keep taking her blood pressure because the liver and the kidneys go hand in hand. Okay. In the uterus, they're in the same ectodermal layer when the babies are forming. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they said that they had the formation of them, if there's a problem with one, let's be proactive. Okay. And keep an eye on those kidneys. So how long was it before you got the formal diagnosis? I would say the actual diagnosis that she, you mean that she needed a kidney Kidney. transplant? Yep. Was within six months. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's probably partly because you were the best advocate for your daughter. Like, okay, this isn't right. Like, I mean, your husband at the time was in residency. Correct. For Yep. General surgery. Yep. And so like you got a doctor at home and you're going, okay, wait a second. This doesn't make sense for a mm. four-year-old to have high blood pressure. There's got to be something else going on. And so Correct. just asking the questions and then getting that diagnosis when she was four years old that she needed. Yeah. The actual diagnosis came from a full genetic panel. And so we had other things come up when she was younger that she kind of just kind of grew out of. Like bone abnormalities, okay, which is part of the overarching diagnosis now that we know. Yeah. But yeah, the full panel like genetic testing did show that she has this very rare autosomal recessive disease called craniectodermal dysplasia. So she's four years old. You're giving the diagnosis that she has got that. And well, let's go back because we, uh, off air, you, I had to ask questions. So I'm sure our listeners yeah. might have these questions too. So you said you had the full panel genetic testing to determine what she had. Is that how you discovered that both you and your husband had the gene, what do you say? Mutation. Mutation. Yeah, like a mismatch. Mismatch. There you go. Yep. Yep. So usually when you do a genetic full panel, you can just get the kiddos DNA and they can just tell you like if there's a problem. However, certain situations, there are times where you need mom and dad. So they called us up and they're like, hey... We need to rule out one more thing. And so we need you both to do labs. And long story short, if you have the same, like you were saying, mm-hmm. mismatch on the exact same gene, then this is going to be like a autosomal recessive disorder where there is no dominant to cover up this ailment. And this is what she's going to have. And they didn't say it that way, but that's exactly what happened. John and I have the same mismatch on the exact same gene, which is, just blows my mind. Yeah, uh, We're both from like biology and human body anatomy and physiology majors uh, mm-hmm. at college. That's how we met. And so just to understand the genome and the genetics behind that, the Lord had a, had a story for us to fulfill. Yeah. Did you say one in four? If they have the mismatch gene, right. <laughs> one in four pregnancies will have... This. Correct. This, this, yes, that's correct. Okay. We'll end up with renal disease, essentially. Yes. Essentially, yes. Essentially, yes. It is an overarching diagnosis. So when we talk about the big word that I just said, yes. <laughs> which was uh, craniectodermal dysplasia. Cranio is bones, uh-huh. as most people will think is the head. Yeah. Cranium. Yeah. Yeah. So she did have a big head. And when I said we had all these factors early on, that we're like, wow, what is going on? Should we like totally be worried about this? Her head was huge. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So not at birth, but like from the two month check, they check your child. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, head circumference. Yeah. Has, yeah. Circum- and she went from like a normal 95% head circumference to like 110 in two months. Wow. So like, so either we're going to rule out a tumor. She's got some type of like cancerous thing. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, my my walls and my <laughs> my peripheral was just closing in. And I was like, my baby can't have this. But yeah, it just, I can go on and on about Sydney's story. But yeah, we had the cranio checked out okay. She just like, the doctor's like, we just have a big head. Nothing was wrong. And then, so that's cranio and ectodermal is kind of like what I alluded to before. The ectodermal layer when they're in embryo. That's where the dysplasia occurs. And dysplasia just means 
malformation or okay. abnormality of tissues. Okay. So it's really when you break it down, for me, it's easy, but that's what I studied at school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, like you said, that's amazing that yeah. of, of the people to like, y- you had a degree in this essentially, essentially. As, as it was coming together and God's like, I'm going to give you this. Yeah. So Sydney is four years old and it has been decided that she's going through renal disease. She needs a transplant, right? Correct. The kidneys were hit first hard. Okay. And the liver problems are also because of this um. Because of the kidneys. Well, the overall diagnosis. Gotcha. Okay. So I just want to make it clear, like craniectrodermal dysplasia is liver, kidney, heart, hair, teeth, skin, bones, and endocrine, like growth. Yeah. That's why both my girls are super short. That's okay. So it is like, I have so many specialists that I don't even talk about because... That's just too much. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But okay. So then it's going, all right, we have this overarching diagnosis. Correct. But the kidneys were hit first. Correct. And the main, we've got to get her a donor. That's And correct. she's four years old. Yeah. So what do you do? So when we were first told that we transferred our care to St. Louis Children's Hospital, and at that time they were looking for a blood match. You always want to have a blood match when you do a transplant. And Sydney's O positive. And so they said, okay. So eight years ago, you had to have an O positive or O negative donor if you wanted to do a live donor. Okay. You can also, she was on the list as a pediatric transplant uh, patient, which means she gets bumped up above all the adults in case there is a deceased match. Okay. But we never went down that path. I said, hello, I'm in the room. I would love to donate if I can. I knew I was O positive Mm -hmm. and I was young. And I wanted to go and try the first step of many tests. Yeah. And I never failed. So there. I. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I would like to have that for the record. I have never failed one of these tests. <laughs> never <laughs> failed. Never failed. And it gets pretty technical, but you want like a protein match. So eight years ago, they were looking more so for the antigens. And I was a six out of six match. Okay. So the Lord provided for Sydney and uh, the coordinator that I was working with. So you work with a pediatric coordinator for her. Okay. And then the adult, if you're a living donor, you have your own adult coordinator. And my adult coordinator at Barnes Jewish um, Hospital, which is connected to children's, okay. like, oh my goodness, we've never seen anybody go through this test so fast. Because you're an exact match. I'm an exact match. Well, I'm also her mother. Right, exactly. <laughs> there is that. Yeah. No, you so, did give her life. So, I, I mean, like, yeah. It was a fast process. I think I started October of 2015, and they mm-hmm. told me January 10th of 2016. Okay. That I was a match. And that's very fast to get through all those tests. So then, okay, so if you knew in January, how quickly did the transplant come? March 3rd. Okay. So even after that, there was still some time. But at that point, was Sydney needing to be on dialysis? Was she that far along? She was very, very close. She had lost a lot of weight, not because of anything, but her dietary restrictions. Mm-hmm. Not only are her kidneys dying, mm-hmm. she was on 27 different medications in a 24-hour period. And then she had severe sodium, potassium, and phosphorus daily limit. Okay. So feeding her was absolutely... A huge task. She just was so tiny. Mm-hmm. Was very, very fatigued. Uh, she was very close to dialysis, but we never got there. 
mom puts her kidney on the table and says, all right, and you go through that in March. How does recovery go for Sydney and you? Yeah, thanks for asking. Mine was great. I think I was just so focused on her. Mm -hmm. I was shocked. I was like, is this normal? Because my husband was still learning how to be a doctor at this time. They kicked me out in like 24 hours. Of the like the dang the, the hospital, they're like, "Hey, look great, drink water, peace." <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt with Andrew's back surgery. They were like in and out in three hours, and they're like, "Bye, have a great day." And I was like, yep. "You want me to do what?" He's he just had spinal mm-hmm. surgery. What are you talking about? I was shocked. I don't think I was quite ready for that. Okay, yeah, I well, was fine though. And then you, but then you go home and you have a four-year-olds mm. to take care of who just had a kidney transplant. That's correct. Like, she was actually inpatient for probably two and a half weeks. Okay. okay. kept her after the, the, tra- the surgery. So that gives you some time to recover at home yourself and everything too. So that was... Yeah. Well, it was particularly difficult. Sorry, I keep correcting you, but... No. no uh, at the time we do. lived in... I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> at the time we lived in Columbia, Missouri. Okay. John was doing his general surgery residency at Mizzou. We had to up and basically transplant our family for two months to St. Louis, find a place to live, take the kids out of school. Got um, you. Figure out, you know, yeah, all, the all of the things. So, yeah, yeah. Sydney was in the hospital for about two and a half weeks post surgery, was finally released. It was just a long process. Yeah. Yeah. To pick up your life and pause kind of everything, handle and recover. And I just have to interrupt on this. You had a two-year-old at the time, right? She she just turned three. Okay. Yeah. Because that's Madeline. That's Madeline. Madeline. And how old was Ben? Right? He was five. He was five. Yeah. So out of five, four, and three, it was rough. That makes me tired just thinking about it. It was rough. We're all about like real and authenticity. On this show. Did you have community, family support? Like, how did you feel supported on this journey? For Sydney, my mom came and took care of me Mm -hmm. uh, while we stayed in St. Louis. She's a nurse, and so I had great care. But as far as the kids go, while Sydney was in the hospital, I believe we, it was all blur. Yeah. We had family that was watching them, and they were just do their own little tradesies, like, oh, I have Benjamin and Madeline, then you have them. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have anybody else. Yeah. Like, we didn't know anybody in Columbia. We did some fundraising, and we can talk about that later, through the Children's Organ Transplant Association. And it's just, it was just really, really hard. I had a team that's like, I want to support you, and then they pulled out. Mm -hmm. So I did all my fundraising by myself, and went through all the tests, and was taking care of Sydney, and cooking renal diets and my husband was gone seriously 10 hours a day mm. for residency for residency and uh, you're giving your daughter 27 medications in a 24 yeah. hour period yeah i had to stop our in home daycare process <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was the only one i would I was yeah yeah money. like john that. was gone and i couldn't work outside the home right that was my full time job was taking care of all those infants and i hear residency doesn't pay well <laughs> yeah. 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 exactly <laughs> it's still considered school so yeah. yeah so it was tough it was definitely a journey that i learned a lot about myself and I grew very, very close to the Lord Yeah. during that time because I knew he would never leave me Yeah. and leave Amen. us and leave Sydney. Um, so my huge faith journey started during that time. That's beautiful. And I think, I mean, a lot of it is 
we have people on here for many different things. And the biggest question is, how do you feel supported? Many people feel alone in a lot of what they're walking through. And it really isn't that people want you to be left alone. It's the lack of education and knowledge and knowing how to support. Correct. So I think that's really one of the biggest reasons we wanted to have you on. Obviously, we're going to get to the main reason, but we want to bring awareness and to bring support because there's a lot of people that walk through this that nobody talks Mm -hmm. about in the details that you get to share here. A lot of people aren't sharing if they're going through it because they don't know how to. Well, and something that as, you know, preparing for this and talking to people about having you on this podcast, like a lot more people have kidney transplants than you think. Like you would be surprised. I was just talking to someone. She goes, oh, yeah, my dad donated his kidney to his brother. I mean, and you're just like, oh, okay. Now, granted, that's an adult and we're talking about children at this point. But two, I mean, like it's not something so uncommon. Correct. Right. Like it it happens all the time. All the time. And kidney is the most commonly transplanted organ. Yeah. In a sense, I feel very humble, especially when I was going through that rough time with Sydney. Like post-transplant is far worse than pre-transplant. For her or for you as the living donor? Not so much physically, but just the maintenance mm-hmm. and the day-to-day. Okay. Like I thought the pre-transplant with Sydney was oh, rough. Yeah. I was about to get hit with a ton of bricks. Yeah. Most. And I still am. So it's a day-to-day occurrence, like you said. So I met so many families. Mm-hmm. We talked about labs yeah. before we got on the air, and uh, the girls had to do labs constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but right. I, We're but here I, eight years later, and Sydney went this morning to go get her did. labs. So she like, she, she goes up, monthly. 5.30 in the morning, woke up, be there at 6, because it has to be before medication. So what I'm getting at is like when you have a pediatric post-transplant patient, and you get to the hospital before any of the other employees are besides outpatient labs and you see these other children and you just start to cry because you know why they're there. So you get to know all these different families Mm -hmm. and mamas and grandmas or whoever's bringing them in at the crack of dawn. Mm -hmm. And I was just so humbled because we would say, oh, we're kidney. Somebody would say, oh, we're liver. Another mama would say, we're heart. And Ah. I am just like bawling. And Mm -hmm. I am just so grateful for how easy our journey has been. And I don't want to compare at all. But I'm just, I know that my kid didn't have to get a heart from another child. Exactly. Yes. There is a a network called the Midwest Transplant Network. I'm familiar from them in a business point. But they create... All for their deceased donors, they create memorial cards to go into all of the funeral programs. And so it has their picture, it has their dates, and it has whatever the family has put on the back, but it's a picture of them. And the people that mm-hmm. make those, they say the toughest mm-hmm. are the ones that are kids, children. Yeah. And they just see them. But that like, that's the only way another child is going to get a heart. Mm-hmm. Like, that literally is the only way. And so, yeah, that's... But you're right. Like, I can only imagine how you're like, I can't give up my heart, but I can give up a kidney. Oh, you know? yeah. Right? And a like, heartbeat. I have two. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. So, you are post-transplant. You have got Ben, who is five. Sydney, who is four. Madeline, who's two. And... We're going through, we're like, okay, we're on the other side. It's hard. It's tough. It's harder. 
Mm-hmm. And then you get pregnant with baby number four. It was six months after the surgery. Holy. Oh, my. <laughs> we did not do the math on that. Okay. First. Did you have permission to do that? Were they like, <laughs> like did, were they like, did, did your body arrest? Did, did the so, doctor say, we need to limit your physical activity? And you're like, but does that include sex? Because I can do that laying on my back. <laughs> Sorry. What's funny, I actually called like my adult transplant coordinator at Barnes Jewish she was still following me. I would do labs every now and then, but not as much as Sydney would. Mm-hmm. Before I even told John, I called her and I was like, hey, <laughs> is okay. this? I I think I'm pregnant. Is this okay? Like, obviously, it's right. going to be okay. Right. We're going to go forward. But she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we kind of wanted you to wait. <laughs> yeah. This wouldn't have been our first pick on timing. Yeah. However, drink water and just when you do labs for regular labs for OBGYN visits, just add a renal function panel onto that. And I know exactly what that is. So how did that okay? How did John take it when you said, yes, what? <laughs> he was so busy during school. He's like, how did this happen? I don't remember having sex. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he wanted, no, we were like, hey, we should probably not do any more kids. He's like, yeah, totally. Let's not do this. It's like genetic. I'm going to get a vasectomy yeah and he got busy 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 and then boop huh yeah that moved the bottom of the to-do list (laughs) just get bottom of the to-do list you're pregnant with baby number four how does the pregnancy go relatively normal i mean normal like all your other pregnancies and yep yep you had no complications with only the one kidney that's right that's awesome yeah drink water Drink water. Yes. <laughs> every every time one of us says drink water, please, housewives, take a drink of water. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to see if that's our challenge for today. So then sweet Olena is born. Mm-hmm. And now, wait, I have to ask, did you and John, you already did the testing, the genetic testing, right? For us, for Sydney's panel to be complete. Right. So but at that time, we did not know or we did know that it was a one in four chance. We did know. You did know. That's what okay. we're like. We're done. Got it. Okay. And so Ben and Madeline, you had you tested them? They have not been tested. They don't have any the signs. The yeah. signs. They don't they don't have short stature. Their bone growth is normal. Dude, Madeline's taller than me. She's huge. <laughs> and so is Ben. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, Ben. Five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. Madeline's fourth and? grade. Fourth grade. I already know there are gonna be fifth graders that are taller than me at our school. Like, yeah. So, so. So Alina's born. How quickly did you get Alina tested? We got her tested at two months. Okay. And when I was pregnant, I just prayed with the Lord. And I was like, you are in charge. Uh, Your will be done. Like, you give us the children as gifts. And I, this is what I learned with Sydney's transplant is they're his kids first. Mm -hmm. And then they're ours. And so when I was pregnant with Alina, I was like, well, Lord, this is a gift. Obviously, we're going to keep. The baby, because at the time, then the OB know the the condition of Sydney and they have to go blah, 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 blah. And I was like, nope, we're going to have the baby. We're going to test her when she's post. Yep. And to say that, because we, we have had Seth Gruber on who you went yeah. and saw. Yeah. And like the people will get the genetic testing and want to know if something is abnormal. I say abnormal with their child, you know, if they have any genetic, I don't want to mutations or something like that predisposition yep and there are some parents that will choose to end the pregnancy Mm -hmm. which is so unfortunate like you said they're god's kids first so 
So two so months we did testing. You did two, two, two month testing yeah. for Alina. Yeah. And it came back. It came back as positive. And I was just like, okay, Lord. Like, I can remember one single tear rolling down my face. But he, like, at the time, I could just feel him, like, whispering and talking to me, like, I will be there with you. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's very rare that we get this the situation, like, a repeat situation, mm-hmm. right? Where God was like, hey, you remember our other kid, Sydney? Like, I was faithful then. I'll be faithful now. Whatever yeah. this looks like, I'm still going to be faithful. Like, that's something that we have to remind ourselves is we easily forget the other times that he's been faithful. Okay, so Alina's born two months. You know that it's positive. At what point does she, like... So we knew that she had a predisposition to start the kidney failure. And I will go back 3,000 steps. This autosomal recessive disorder that my kids have is incredibly rare. My husband has access to like all the medical journals that's ever been written. Yeah. And there are two. Wow. Written on this. One is completely, I mean, I don't even know why they're written it because it was like, wasn't very clear. You right. Know, they're yeah. like, well, we don't know. It's too many unknowns. We think it's called. Caroli's disease, but then it has precursor. It was just confusing. But the one and the only one has like stats, and it was from 2000, I forget the date, a long time ago. And they said like, it's so rare that like one out of, I think it said 700,000 kids or maybe even a million have this disease that they know of. Hmm. Dang. Yeah. So with that diagnosis that we have with Olina, we knew to look for high blood pressure, never had it. We went to renal liver physicians in Children's Mercy. Like, hey, let's just watch it. We did ultrasounds. Nothing's really popping up. So what I want to allude to is that this disease, as you hear with other diseases, is dormant. Okay. And we just don't know when it will be active. Okay. So therefore, no renal diet. Just got it. Standard. Let mm-hmm. her do her kid stuff. Come yep. see us every three months. We'll check her out. You'll go home. Yeah. Okay. So one at one of those three month checkup though, they said, "Hey, here we go." Yeah. And was there any signs before you're like, "I have a feeling that this three month checkup is going to be abnormal," or is like, "Nope, this is just what your blood." Because how many times do we get a mm. uh, the blood test? We're like, "Oh, I don't feel bad," but the blood. T- Test mm-hmm. comes back and you're like, oh, crap. But so it was just kind of a, oh, all right. Yeah. So the renal numbers came back and there were some tiny red flags. They're like, this might be starting. So let's just keep an eye uh-huh. and come back more routinely for labs. And that was about a year and a half in the progress. Like it just, we kind of knew it was going to happen. Not sure when it was going to start to be, quote, active. Yeah. And then in October of last year, of 2023, Mm -hmm. our doctor, and I will say the doctor that we saw was a pediatric nephrologist that diagnosed Sydney with the renal problems, not the overarching diagnosis. Diagnosis. Okay. So she knows about Sydney. And a nephrologist is the kidney doctor. Correct. Got it. Pediatric nephrologist. Okay. So that's a specialty. Amazing. And she's in Columbia. Because we live there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now we live in Kansas City. So we're going back and forth and back and forth. And she's like, October. She's like, she's starting. By her starting, what does that mean? 
numbers are creeping up. Kidney is losing function. Okay. And then on the ultrasound, the physiology report of it or what you see on a radiograph or x-ray are cysts, like dark spots. Okay. Kind of like a Dalmatian. Oh. On her organs. Okay. So both kidneys Mm -hmm. in the same state? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And so when did you get the stage four diagnosis? January 10th. Okay. And then, was that like quick progression between oh, October sure. to January? Like, did you guys not expect I that? Was, like, I was shocked. That was our first appointment with Children's Mercy for the renal team. We see so many specialists. Sorry, I'm mm-hmm. going too fast here. So, yeah, we met with a wonderful pediatric nephrologist that's nationwide known that is going to now see both girls because we had to transfer care and all that stuff since mm-hmm. we moved to Kansas City. And he's like, She's so far into her kidney disease that this evaluation and all her appointments that need to happen pre-surgery should already be done by now. Oh. Yeah. So that makes me feel like I can't breathe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's so much different timeline than Sydney was. Oh, yeah. And Sydney, like you guys could work up to it where they're like in that three months, that October to January part, it was like night and day mm-hmm. we are thankful though Sydney was four okay and Olina was six and a half so we okay. got two and a half more years off of her they call them native the kidneys you're born with her yeah native kidneys so we are very thankful that that's she got true that far. I, yeah because yeah. kidneys when you have a kidney transplant they don't last forever well, do you Correct. know they because Sydney is eight years in mm-hmm. on your kidney. That's correct. And how long do they typically last? Do you know? Well, when you get a pediatric transplant, they said that organ is the most important. Like we want it to be as most healthy. It's going to go through the child through growth, not only just normal height and weight, but puberty. Mm-hmm. Oh, which yeah. Which is going to change a ton. Hormones and all, all the that. things. Yeah. Well, and that also comes with, I'm learning. Well, irresponsible. Did you take your medicine? Did you drink enough water? Because she has to be on auto or immunosuppressant drugs for the rest of her life every 12 hours. Wow. Or you will potentially lose the transplanted organ. And the reason that it's immunosuppressed is because it technically, I mean, it's foreign tissue to your body. So you're, you are literally having to tell your body like, no, don't attack this. Correct. So, yeah. That's so when um, you get an organ transplant and you're young, they want that one to be really strong, really healthy to get that child through. Right. Hopefully 10 to 15 years of the changes and also medication adherence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the things. Right. So and I'm, I'm not an expert by any means, but I, I have met people that have had kidney transplants when they're later in their adults and they still have it for 30, 40 years later. Wow. But it's, for pediatrics, I have heard the opposite. Okay. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the changes in the growth that happens in the first 20 years versus 20 to 60, like there's just so much that's happening mm-hmm. before they hit the, I mean, all of it, your, mm-hmm. your brain developing, like your hormones right. all the and, things are and your kidney is essentially a detox organ right? right so it really is like it's de like your hor- hormones have to go through your liver and your kidney mm-hmm. like the ones mm-hmm. that you are 
going through, like you don't just get, we go up and down and she's a female and we we have something called that time of the month that <laughs> gives us all sorts of fun hormones. And so, yeah, that's to think that a pediatric kidney transplant does not last near as long as an adult tr- kidney transplant. I mean, it, it makes sense in yeah. the, when you think about it, yeah. but. And that's all pretty gray. Like you'll mm-hmm. have doctors that are really optimistic and like, well, we'd like this to last her her whole life. Yeah. We really would. Yeah. But I will tell you, hopefully we get 10 to 15 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now here's where we're talking about. This is the reason we brought you on is, ob- I mean, obviously your testimony with Sydney and your faith journey and being a mom to three kids at the time of giving a transplant or giving up your kidney is incredible in itself. But the fact that here you are eight years later and looking for a living donor for your youngest Mm -hmm. is a whole new journey. It's not like you can give one. (laughs) And we talked about Mm -hmm. the likelihood that the dad can give one is slim (laughs) because he has got hypertension, right? He he has a stressful job. He's a surgeon, y'all. So well, he has pre-existing hypertension. He's done so much better with oh yeah trying to manage that. But at yeah. the same time, they're going to be very picky. Mm-hmm. Like the doctors make the ultimate choice, and they're like, "Yeah, you might need both kidneys." Right. Like, let's not get rid of this one yet. So, what are the requirements for a living donor? Like, how do people find out if they? If this is something that's on their heart and like, well, I have two good, healthy kidneys, I think. Like, what can people do? First, you would need to know or find out soon your blood type. And you don't have to find that out with your PCP prior to. You can just call the coordinator that does the living transplants at KU. Okay. So for our situation, for Olina, is totally different, different city. She will be at Children's Mercy Hospital downtown. Mm-hmm. And the adult living donor is the hospital is KU. Right. So we have that contact. The adult, yeah. So we have the adult donor and then we have the pediatric specialist there. Yep. So And they do contact each other quite often. Right. And they're in constant communication. But as an outside person listening to this podcast or somebody that's already been touched by this story, you would definitely need to be an O positive, an O negative. And research has now shown that you can also be type A blood, possibly, because they're finding out type A will break down into type A1 and A2. Okay. And don't quote me which one is A1 for O. I don't, I think that's the one. Okay. But yeah, so blood type first, and then they'll have you run a series of blood pressure uh, readings at home, I believe, for a week. Yeah. It's a little bit different than the process that I went through, just different hospital. Right. Yeah. After you pass, that's why I said I never failed. <laughs> After you pass the blood type and you pass the hypertension, the, the blood pressure cuff readings at home for a week, then they talk to you and they go over more extensive medical history. Do you have any preconditioned situations where you might need two kidneys for the rest of your life? That kind of thing. And it just kind of goes down its own little only path. Yeah. Uh, patient, individual, everybody's different. So now one of the things that I find so incredible is that, I mean, let's be honest, the last time you had lab tests, like those are a freaking fortune, right? Mm-hmm. I went just asking for labs 
when Tracy and I ask our doctors, like, hey, can we just get yearly labs done? And, you know, yeah, your blood work, hormone panel. <laughs> yeah. And and you look at how much that costs for the insurance. But that for living donors is not the case because everything if you to go through the testing, all of that is billed to your insurance. That's correct. That is Alina's. There insurance. is very little cost outside of and I mean, very little cost for the donor. Yeah. They advocate a lot for those people that are willing to save a life and give somebody a second chance. So everything is run through our insurance. And then the hospital also will help with the donor process like expenses. And then there's also the Children's Organ Transplant Association will also allocate funds used during fundraising for the donor. Okay. As well, I mean, they'll even cover plane tickets. If the donor lives out of state, they'll cover your mortgage. If you're tight on, but like, because you're going to be out of work, out of work, you're out of um, work because you recover bills, and so yeah. they help you pay your bills. So not only do they help the recipient, they also help the donor. Right. That's all done through fundraising. Yeah. But yeah, what you were saying is correct. It's very little out of pocket. A lot just to test, just, like, and I, and I'm talking just like just to find out one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Like, if I if I could do it, can I do it? You get all that. That is all taken care of, and they just they just want you to they they we, want you to do the test, yeah, and just yeah. try it, and just try, yeah. Now, I don't want to allude to you just take a blood type test and a medical questionnaire, and you're a match. There is yeah. <laughs> what? It's not that easy. No, no, and that's why it takes time. When I said at the beginning of the podcast, like from October, I think it's when I started, yeah, of 2015 with Sydney. And then January was done that that included like nuclear radiation, nuclear medicine, sorry, nuclear medicine tests where you, they filter in a dye mm-hmm. your kidneys and they say, hey, one's functioning at 49%, one's functioning at 51%, then they know which one to take. Females have to go through your yearly exam, even if you just had it. I was like, oh, I... I I remember being like, I'm a mom. I have three kids. I have to do another pap smear. I just did this. And they're yeah. like, oh, we're going to do it again. They're like, I just birthed the kid. <laughs> yeah. So. so I, and just like MRI, make sure there's no cancer. Like, so basically it's like an awesome screening for your whole body. Like, hey. If like a physical. Yes. A whole. Yes. What, yeah. com- comprehensive physical. Yeah. Comprehensive. comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. Yeah. That was a big Inside word. Inside and out. Yeah. So it's, so it's, it's a, it's a. Large variety of t- and obviously we're here and spreading the word and hoping that the Lord's going to put it on somebody's heart mm-hmm. or there's going to be a person who is able to step up. What is the timeline? Obviously, you're talking about how long some that takes that time takes. It does. What does Alina need? She needs it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, when our physician said. January 10th, like she needs to be done with all those evaluation appointments. And I knew exactly what he meant mm-hmm. now. And I was like, oh, my. We were talking about on the other side of this mm-hmm. is that the wisdom and knowledge and support that you uniquely will be able to share mm-hmm. to other families going through something like this, because you don't when you were going through with Sydney, you didn't know what you didn't know. You're like, I need these tests to be done now. You're ahead of the game. Like, you know what to expect. That's not knowledge most people get. Mm-hmm. And so what a gift that is to share, but specifically just to have that experience for Alina's treatment mm-hmm. and her being 
we were talking about this at the basketball game on Friday, too, is that your husband, John, is just like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, because he sees the worst of it in the hospital and he's like, God's timing. But I get you like, hey, let's mark these. I'll make the appointment. Like, why can't we just book them now and get them done and just put them on a chair? Like, we'll knock them all out in one day. Come on, guys, let's go. But it's it's not that easy when you're coordinating that many doctors and that many correct labs and things like that, right? Yeah. For our listeners, we are going to include, if this is something that you would like more information on what it means to be a living donor, we're going to include a website for you in our show notes. If this is something you specifically are thinking, okay, God has put it on your heart to, I can do a test. I can find out if I can pass or fail. We will put in the specific contact information for Alina's. Correct. Coordinators. Coordinators. I get you. Can somebody donate or see if they would be a match if they're not local? Because this is nationwide podcast. So could the KU coordinator help them get lab testing done at another hospital? Absolutely. Okay. So that answers that question for you guys. And then also, if you want to donate, you can't donate a kidney and you know that that's not on your list, but you feel led and want to donate to the COTA fund for Alina to help um, them with living expenses and the donor, donor expenses and Alina's expenses, you can go to that website as well. Yes. She has a particular website through the Children's Organ Transplant Association. Okay. Yeah. We'll link that also in the show notes for everybody. But where can people find you? Because I know you've got in your lap here two books that are like Chunky. Chunky. They're Bible size, y'all. She documented all of Sydney's. Those are all Sydney's, right? That's correct. All on social media. She documented all of Sydney's journey on social media. And those books have all the pictures and all the captions and the the documentation of that journey with Sydney. And so you're doing the same thing for Alina. I am. And that you're going to have all that documentation. So where can people follow Alina's story and you? Yeah. Thank you for asking. On Instagram, it's Tan. So our last name is Tan, but it's spelled with two N's. So T A N N, Mm -hmm. kidney kid, all together. Tan, kidney kid. Okay. Yep. So that would be for Olina's journey on Instagram. Now, I did do a Facebook page for Sydney. I have just not had that time. The time to do it for Olina. What? You don't have enough time, Kendra? I don't believe it. With four kids and all you're doing. But I will tell you, I have a incredible team of mamas through our school that are trying to come together to complete the CODA fundraising team. And once that is established, then I have access to a blog via okay. CODA. Which um, gets more national recognition. Correct. Well, and that way I can just put more information. like. People are like, well, I don't have Instagram mm-hmm. and you're not on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, so what do we, okay. Eventually, and that's a creative way. I have always had a creative outlet with pictures and like expressing myself through just words. She's an incredible yeah. photographer, y'all. If oh, you have not you. seen her on Instagram, mm-hmm. she has some amazing photos. Thank you. She also has a slight obsession with the Rivians. Yes. Just, just slight, but you know, don't we hold do, that against her. I do her. love it because I we would do. have never known. 
But no, I learned everything from Kendra. I know. And I, my my husband <laughs> jokes. I'm a nerd. Uh, no. I my, show my husband all the time because we will see him driving around and I'll be like, I don't, know, I don't think that's Kendra's. No. no, there's more now. Yeah, there's so many more now. It used to be I would just see yours. Yeah, same. The green one or the yellow one. We were the first ones. Yeah. To get them. Because Kendra came up to her <laughs> husband during the basketball game and was showing him a picture of R- Rivian on Instagram. And she's like, look at this. And it just goes. Is that like a charm bracelet for you? You just want the accept like <laughs> that's your all the accessories and like doing the and I have a Jeep and I love and I know you guys have a Jeep too. Like you guys have the cars that are the charm bracelets. Like <laughs> what can we add to it? What else can we do with yeah, it? Yeah. So well, the um, community is great, but I can take another podcast. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Because you started that community, too. I did. I, I'm the president of the, the Rivian Club. The Rivian Club here in Kansas City. That's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So if you're looking for a new car, check out the Rivian. No, <laughs> sorry, no, we'll just add that. Um, <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Rivian. Right? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see if we can get that sponsorship. But is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners or anything else that people, how they can help you or what they can pray for? Anything like that that you just says last remarks you want to add, Kendra? Oh, thank you. I'm a big, big prayer request person. And so obviously we're praying for a donor to come mm-hmm. through promptly. The medical team is able to get a date on the calendar for surgery. We pray for post-transplant. It is a wrecking ball. Sydney had a rejection episode a month after her transplant. Wow. We got home and she spiked a fever. So anytime a transplant kid has Mm -hmm. a fever, guess where you have to go immediately? Hospital. Hospital. To the emergency room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To get labs. So we we pray for post-transplant for Olena. It's it's going to be a huge, huge, bumpy ride. She will get labs every week for three months straight. Yeah. Try to remember what they said. And then it goes down to two weeks. And then, yeah. Um, but yeah, just medication adherence. No me, rejection. Me being able to handle both girls with different dosages on the same medication, busy lifestyles, uh, just just grace. Yeah. I was going to say, because it's not like you, you guys have slowed down at all. I mean, like, Madeline is on a volleyball team mm-hmm. and Ben plays, what does he play? All the sports. All the sports. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, hold on, I'm thinking. Yeah, he plays all the sports. Well, he'll we- start swimming for a public school next year. Oh, my on God. On top of being part of private school sports. Yeah. Uh, that. I'm like, what? Yeah. And, yeah. but I love that. Ben and Madeline, yes, all the health medical attention, it may be going to Sydney and Alina mm-hmm. for that. But Madeline and Ben, you love on them through allowing them to have their activities and their own places to yeah. just to get that kind of time outlet, yeah. outlet yeah. and attention. That well, they, and by the week is over. I mean, I love hanging out with friends, but it's just not the season right yeah. now because yeah. we are so intentional with one on one time. Yeah. And when you have four. It, I know that girl. I think it's so important to spend yeah. some time with your kids, like yeah. every single one of them. Yeah. I'm yep. so excited for tomorrow. I'm taking Ben on a Valentine's date. That's oh, that's cute. Yeah, but I know. I would I just want to say a side note. I don't know if you even know this. What? So when I was five, mm-hmm. my sister, I'm the oldest. Okay. My sister who was three was diagnosed with leukemia. And so I knew growing up what it felt like to be that sibling that was left behind, quote, quote, left right. behind. Yeah. 
she was critically ill and was life flighted to Dallas and was there forever. And I remember being in kindergarten and our whole family fell apart, like literally through divorce. And it just was awful growing up like that. And so when I, when I found out like my first child, Sydney, was sick, I was like, nope, we're doing this together. Like we are going to go together if we can for lab draws. Now COVID's put a time out on that. But we stick together and mm-hmm. we support each other and we do not let the stress yeah. just like break up the family. I mean, yeah. how many times have you heard of a big... The divorce rate for terminally ill kids or um, children's deaths, the, the divorce rate for parents is incredibly yeah. high. Yeah. So a, a rough, a rough upbringing and childhood. But all that to say, more prayers yeah. for our family and Absolutely. communication and um, being able to meet everybody's needs, just like yeah. everybody does with their families. So Right. Yeah. Oh. Well, you are amazing. Totally courageous. Well, thanks. Brave. Thank you. Can't imagine being in your shoes. It's really, really hard. But I love hearing you speak of your marriage, Mm -hmm. your priorities, your family, and God first. The greatest gift you can give your kids Mm -hmm. is to lead by him and through him and with him every step of the way. (laughs) No, I just wanted to say, housewives, can you imagine we're in 55 minutes and Tracy's just now crying? (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I cry almost every episode. But I I just... There is something, though, about just where you are. No, or confidence in Christ. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's, it. It radiates. Funny, we're the ones crying. Why? I imagine she's done a lot of this. Yes, in the moment. (laughs) Yes. But the listening to a book and talking about, like, faith without works is dead. And if you truly, truly believe that Jesus conquered death, why aren't you living like it? Like having that, if you know that with every cell of your being, like you said, they were God's, they're God's children's first. Mm -hmm. Like not everything's going to be fixed on the side of heaven, but your confidence Mm -hmm. in Christ is so just inspiring. inspiring. And, And people see it to be that confident and going, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know how this is going to end, but I'm confident and I know that God conquered the grave. God conquered, like, he's going to be here. He's never going to leave me. Like, we need more mamas like you that have that secure faith. So, anyways, well, housewives. Thank um, you for being here and listening. Yes. And share this episode. Share, share, share. Please share this. Tag the tan kidney kid. Correct. On Instagram with it. Check out the websites. You never know who might see your post or your sharing of it that God has a special journey for him mm-hmm. and you don't know. And maybe it's just a, a step in faith that you write an email and it starts with just an email like, yep. hey, I'm interested. What does this mean? Until next time, housewives. Thank you. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you, Kendra. I appreciate both of you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow and living in who you were made to be today. Join our online community on Facebook. Link in the show notes. 
and be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, free, and to be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.